Rolling on with the show, we can say good morning to Angie Bradbury, who's the chair of Wine Victoria. Good morning, Angie. Good morning, Phil. How are you? Yeah, I'm really well. Thanks for joining us today on the show. G2020 has been an amazing year for Wine in Victoria. Uh, 2020 has been a incredibly difficult year, certainly the most difficult year I've ever experienced in the wine industry, and I desperately hope it's never repeated. <laughs> now, just to recap, I mean, we've had fires and then smoke taint and now COVID-19. Does that, does that cover all of the crises that we've seen this year? Really, because we'd have to go back to the spring, um, the spring of 2019 as well, you know, which is so important for the onset of a great vintage and big parts of our state had terrible frosts, um, you know, which we were already, <clears throat> excuse me, before the bushfires struck at um, the peak of summer, we were already expecting a pretty challenging, at least low yielding 2020 vintage. Um, and then it just had just, you know, everything started rolling and hit us all at the same time. So, um, yeah, it, for most of our growers, they've been under incredible pressure since September, October last year. And so Wine Victoria, what what support or what, what is your purpose with the growers? Like, how do you help them? So our job, so in Victoria, we've got 21 um, registered geographic regions for growing wine and we've got um, well over 800 individual producers. We also are impacted as an industry through state and federal regulation. And so our job is to speak on behalf of the industry, principally with state government and state government agencies um, around all sorts of issues. Like, uh, so we sort of have four main areas. So one is trade, um, really helping to grow exports and the profile of our producers overseas. Um, one is tourism, obviously incredibly important for our state's wine industries. The other one is um, what we call viticulture and biosecurity. So everything from smoke taint to phylloxera and any other, um, you know, water, climate change, all of those issues. And then the fourth area is more broadly compliance. So things like taxation, wine and health, the new um, pregnancy labelling announcement you might have heard a few weeks ago. Yep. So our job is to talk on the industry's behalf for all of those issues. And, I mean, at the moment, what what are you hearing from the, the producers and the growers you represent? Like, what's their biggest challenges that you're, you've got to help them with? Oh, wow. Well, the day-to-day challenge is navigating COVID restrictions. Mm. So what we are and aren't allowed to do, like, um, you know, if you think at this time of the year, the vineyards are dormant, but pruning's happening and pruning those vines is critically important for the next vintage. And we move crews of casual labour around the industry to uh, contract labour to prune vineyards. And so people movement at the moment is a massive challenge. Um, so too in regional Victoria is the restrictions on you know, when cellar doors reopened, all of those restrictions and things is our job to manage. But the single biggest challenge is all of their sales channels and routes to market are essentially shut down at the moment. So just trying to keep the businesses alive. And is there, I mean, practical help that you can give them or are you, like, are you there to mentor them and say, you know, you should try this, you should, you know, try, you know, different channels? Look, 
excuse me, not in, in some respects, yes. So connecting our members into things like direct sales webinars, helping to connect them to service providers in those areas and things like that. But the most important thing we do is distill all the government guidelines and the, find out specifically what is allowed for a wine grower or grape grower and make sure we disseminate those instructions in the easiest possible way to understand to the industry. And that's um, and advocating to allow us to maintain movement. So we're agriculture, we're considered mm. an essential industry. I'm sure your listeners will all be delighted to hear that <laughs> yes. um, wine industry is an essential industry. Um, so, you know, we've really been on the front line about helping our businesses be able to keep um, keep making wine. And it's, I hadn't actually thought of the people movement because you think about pruning and it's not a high density operation generally. You don't have people standing on top of each other. Like 1.5 metres is probably not that hard to maintain. It's probably harder to like work within that space. But getting the people around must, yeah, it must have been an absolute nightmare at the, like when it first started. Uh, and particularly in our border regions yeah. where some of those work crews would be coming across the border. Uh, it's been incredibly challenging, as I said, particularly up along... Um, up along the Murray region, it's been really difficult. And obviously, you know, you don't have to comment, but how has the government been in responding to your, you know, sort of requests and, and the information you give them about what you need to keep the industry going? Look, I've got to say, um, and this is absolute, since with absolute sincerity, they've been amazing. So yep. we um, sit on a Agriculture Victoria, there's a, a, a phone hookup, a, a big Zoom hookup that happens every Thursday, um, and that's with all of the leaders of the agricultural sector industries, <clears throat> um, and that aligns with state and federal agencies, cross-border issues, and, and we've basically got a direct line into the people that are making those decisions, and they've been incredibly responsive and really accessible. Like, I wouldn't want to have any one of their jobs at the moment. <laughs> um, but I must say, on, from our side, from the wine industry side, they've been very responsive and really helpful. Well, and it does seem like the government, of both governments, both levels of government, have been pretty keen to keep as much industry going as they can. So it's in their interest to help you guys out where, Look, where that's practically. That's right. And yeah. Someone that's right. Someone that's trying to write the guidance in terms of what can and can't happen <clears throat> can't and doesn't necessarily understand the nuances between. They've never pruned a vineyard. They wouldn't have a clue what happens, and that's very different to you know moving sheep or something like yep. that. So you know the nuances are really difficult, and that's where it that's that's where the challenges arise for people, and you just have to work through it one step at a time. Now, I want to shift slightly and talk about smoke taint, which in parts of Victoria was an issue. It's probably, it was probably a bigger issue in other states. But what, like, I was reading some articles, you know, Bill Downey was talking about how potentially washing the grapes might have gotten the, the smoke taint off. And they're talking about other people have done no, low or no skin contact and other people are distilling the, the wine before, you know, you get all those sort of compounds. What... What has your research been and what have you found that's worked? Oh, well, that's so, um, I mean, look, smoke taint is a really, really complex and difficult area um, of study and it's relatively new. Like, mm. um, you know, there hasn't been, we don't have any great longitudinal studies of looking at wine that's potentially smoke-affected wine and looking at it 10 or 15 years down the track and seeing what's happened to that wine. So um, it's in the very early stages and it's also incredibly difficult to know 
the behaviour of smoke in the vineyard is really different depending on the variety, depending on the type of smoke, how long the smoke's been around. So we've got um, just over a million dollars being invested of state government assisted money into some very specific research um, and smoke, smoke taint mitigation programs at the moment across the industry. And this is looking at everything from sensory evaluation. So how do we not, how do you taste wine and, and identify smoke taint? Because it's really difficult. Like mm. think about people learning how to pick up on cork taint or Britannomyces and things like that. It has to be trained for. So we're doing that at the moment and we're also doing an incredible amount of work looking at all the different mitigation issues with the Australian Wine Research Institute um, and other university and researchers across Victoria. So um, we expect to have a lot better understanding and knowledge about smoke and how smoke performs in grapes and in wine. Um, but the biggest thing we need to do to stop smoke taint is stop bushfires. Yep. And, you know, that and put the fires out. We can't stop bushfires from happening, but... We need to look at containment strategies and how to get the fires out earlier. Um, and that's a really difficult challenge. And that's actually what one of the things I was going to ask you is, do you see this as a cyclical thing where every 10, 15 years it's going to be a big issue or do you think it's going to be a more regular and constant issue for Australian winemakers? I think it's going to be uh, something that we contend with um, and probably as seriously as we've been contending with water or frost and things like that um, over the last few years. I mean, all the researchers, I'm no scientist, but all of yep. the researchers say that fire is going to be an increasingly prevalent issue. Um, Victoria, you know, Australian hot summers are getting hotter and drier and bushfire will be a bigger issue for us to contend with. So I don't think it's going to go away. Um, and it's something that, you know, we all need to come to terms with the short and long-term issues that need to be done. And climate change is a massive issue for the wine industry. It's probably the most significant threat um, to the long-term viability of growing wine. And that, I mean, that is the, the big problem, isn't it? Is And, you know, some people are growing alternative varieties and they're, they're, there's all these ways to try and mitigate that. But ultimately... You know, it's very hard to predict where it's going to go and how far it's going to go. Do you, like, do do you sort of uh, talk about that kind of thing with within what you, Wine Victoria does? Like, is that are you giving people advice on how to deal with these problems? Yeah, look, Wine Victoria doesn't directly give the advice, but we work as a so like the smoke tank is, is a really good issue. Um, so we work we work with state government agencies and with the national wine, you know, like the Australian Wine Research Institute and Wine Australia, and create programs that are then delivered on the ground in Victoria to help people increase people's capability and competency around dealing with all of these issues. So the major response around climate mitigation and viticulture is a federal, is a is a national responsibility through those agencies that I mentioned before. And like Wine Australia just in released a very, really, really interesting and quite confronting um, significant piece of research about the long-term impacts of climate change on Australian wine growing. And um, it's you, you can find its climate adaptation report on the Wine Australia website, and it's a pretty scary read. Um, and so, you know, then our job from Wine Victoria's point of view is to make sure that we get that research and that understanding into the policymakers who can do something about the long-term effects of climate change. And now we, we've got to take a break, but I just uh, want to quickly say, do you guys ever get to give 
good news or, or you know happy advice to people it seems like it's a bit full-on at the moment it's been a really challenging year yeah. um and, and it, it certainly has but you know we do get to give out good news you know we do get to give out good news sometimes so and i'm hoping that uh, there'll be a bit more of that between now and the back end of the year you're back on The Wine Show, 96.5 Inner FM. My name is Phil Smith, and joining me via Zoom is Angie Bradbury, Chair of Wine Victoria. Angie, two weeks ago, I played our chat from September last year, and in that chat, we were talking about the uh, wine equality charter that you guys were sort of instigating, and also talked a little bit about a study you'd done about uh, employment of women in the wine industry. Um, how's the charter been received since we last chatted? Um, the charter has been incredibly well received. Um, there is now over 150 signatories to that charter in terms of, and that's on behalf of companies and regional associations um, and individuals. So we need a lot more. Um, but one of the really good things um, about it is that those companies that have signed on to the charter, is, it's now being, you know, compliant following the spirit of the charter and complying with that diversity and equality in wine charter is definite is now something that is being linked to wine show judging and other sorts of um, industry participation rates. And it's also started a very, very important conversation about diversity and equality isn't just gender. Mm. It's also about race, religion, background, you know, disability, all of those other sorts of inclusion issues and the wine industry has probably been very white and quite male for a very long time and we're getting the gender balance a, a little bit better but um you know we certainly need to look at other forms of inclusion and um you know making it making sure that we're a really open and diverse industry that reflects our community oh it's it's true and i mean we just spoke to louisa rose as the first guest of the show and she's an absolute legend of the wine industry and i'm sure for people as a broston around yulumba it's it's just natural she's been there for 20 years or something so she's kind of always been there but they then they don't have that thought that maybe other parts of the industry aren't as there's just not that much representation of females and and their voices aren't getting heard but also, like you say, it's it's a whole other issue in terms of um, the, I guess, the heritage of where people, you know, family originally come from, where you don't really see a lot of diversity in that regard. But how do you, I mean, that's a big thing to tackle, isn't it? Look, it's a huge thing to tackle. And I think that that is one of the reasons why, you know, why these industry associations are so important, because... Um, we have to be able to tackle long-term systemic issues, not just all, it's not all just about how do we generate more tourism visitors when we can or yeah. things like that. We've got to deal with the long-term underlying issues that exist as well and not shy away from some of those difficult conversations. And I think the first step is always awareness and is about actually identifying it and saying, oh, wow, you know, this room isn't really representative of our <laughs> community. Is there something that we should, should or can do about that? Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's a big challenge, but it's certainly one that raising awareness of we've already, you know, we just we just have to keep going. And I mean, it's great. And like you say, I think just mentioning it is the first step and people look around and go, actually, maybe that's right, because you can't, I mean, you can't really, I mean, you can, but 
you, you know, if you legislate against it, then you get that pushback of, well, that's, you know, it's not my choice. I'm just being, I'm having to do this by force. So is it slowly, slowly? Is that the, the process that you're taking? It's slowly, slowly. And it's like everything. It's about educate. It's about awareness and education. And it's about turning around and saying, hey, hang on, this doesn't look right. Or is there a different way we can think about this? Like I, you know, and, and these issues, they still come up, right? So recently about, um, you know, and I obviously won't mention specific names or regions when I say this, but I know that a region, the winery was looking to recruit a new viticulturalist and there was a whole lot of good applicants, but the only shortlisted ones that were put up were men. And when that senior female probed into that conversation a little bit more, it was like, yeah, but chicks can't drive tractors. Oh. From the older patriarchal guy who was there, and it's like, yes, yes, they can. Every woman who's applied for this job has to have a tractor license to be yeah. able to do the job. Like, you know, so crazy things like that. We've got to stop. We've got to keep breaking that down. You know, we've got to stop saying all the time that um, Chinese people like mixing red wine with Coke. You know, like there's the, all those silly barriers and things that that come up all the time that we just that we just have to continue to push past and say are not acceptable in 2020. Isn't it amazing? And I mean that at a previous job I'd worked at, they weren't keen on hiring females because they couldn't lift boxes. And I'm like, I, yeah. can, can they not? What <laughs> is, is this a fact? It's uh, yeah, it's a bizarre attitude, but it, it's a holdover from an older time. Absolutely. And it, yeah, it seems crazy now. Yeah, it does seem crazy. And it's also that, I mean, you know, you're mentioning Louisa is a fantastic Thing like Louisa Rose stands out because she's a female senior winemaker who's been a female chief winemaker for 20 years and a chief judge at wine shows and everything else, and she's an absolute superstar, but she shouldn't be the exception. No, no, absolutely not. And yeah. um, I, I guess, you know, the for me, you know, like in this show even, I try to have a nice balance of um, people and different, you know, sort of backgrounds where I can to... To just sort of subtly highlight it, I don't make a big deal about it, but it's really great to have different perspectives and have different voices on, so we're not hearing the same thing from the same people sure. all the time. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I mean, and diversity in decision making, um, you know, is, is also proven to be absolutely essential. So you know, the more and those diverse attitudes and perspectives come in all different shapes and sizes, not just male, female. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, as you say, we just have to continue to broaden our horizons on that. Sometimes it's age as well, you know, mm. and there's a there's a lot of, uh, you know, dare I say, fabulous people, older guard in our industry, and it's amazing to have them, but we've got to make sure that there's room for younger people to participate in industry associations and show judging and all of those sorts of things as well. Yeah, renewal, the, the new... I mean, the new generation will have different ideas and that's that's generally always for the best. You know, you can't have it being the same forever. It will get stale and boring and people would get yeah. sick of it. Yeah. Exactly. Angie, I have I have a lot more that I need to ask you, but <laughs> we need to roll on with the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and having a chat. Uh, I'd love to have you on again, though. I've got heaps more that we didn't even get uh, to chat to. So... Yeah, oh, I'd love to. It's um, I mean, you know, and I think it's really lovely for people too to get a bit of an understanding about everything that you know, everything that happens in terms of the structures and behind the scenes industry stuff and all the things that we're working on as well. I mean, drinking wine is amazing, but the business of how to make it, grow it, and 
be able to make sure that we have a wine industry in 10 or 20 years time is is really interesting too interesting and important i i intend on being alive and kicking and thriving in 10 years and i want to be able to drink really good wine from australia so me too <laughs> yeah me it's too. excellent angie thank you so much we'll chat to you again soon hopefully pleasure Phil. yep love to so that was angie bradbury chair of wine victoria and talking about the challenges that 2020 has had and also uh, some of the ongoing issues within the industry, a fascinating chat. I'm going to go and have a look at the climate adaptation report. Sounds like a, a slightly depressing read, but uh, very worthwhile. 